Welcome everyone to the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Your aura is dope. Who you train with? The Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 210, the main ingredient, is sponsored by Turk Tokes Head Shop. Better than Barrett's Bonds. <laughs> Indeed, Pete. Great to see Turk Barrett in this episode. Great to continue to be making our way through Luke Cage Season 2. Simultaneous to that, of course, is our podcast for Cloak & Dagger Season 1. Simultaneous to that, last week, or at least earlier in this week, we were talking Ant-Man and the Wasp. So busy times, but good times indeed. Absolutely. So grateful to be bringing it to our audience. Luke Cage is triumphant, though the people of Harlem are upset that Luke isn't solving everything. You ain't better than the darn cops, says adorable little girl. Luke steps into Pop's barbershop, where Tembi Wallace, the best expositional news lady on TV, is speaking. DW blames Luke for turning Harlem against him and turning these merch sales down to nothing. Then in walks Danny Rand. He looks good with shorter hair, and Danny declares Pop's Barbershop is really cool. And DW thinks, quote, this white boy got swagger. Danny wants to help his friend and almost tells DW about his sweet origin story, but DW is more impressed that he defeated the dragon. Bruce Lee, right? So will Luke and Danny team up? Power Man and the Iron Fist. That's got a ring to it. The credits show the episode is written by Akela Cooper and directed by Andy Goddard. Cut to someone on the website clusterbuzzno.com looking at Nandy Tyler's album called Good Old Days. That's Days with a Z. It's Misty in the office with four desks, wondering where Nandi is. Later, Misty grabs Bailey, who's usually in before Nandi anyway. They go see Chief Ridley, who wonders where Nandi is too. Turns out they know Nandi was in the room on the other side of the glass. Bailey stands up for his partner, the one who hasn't shown up yet. They investigate the camera that's placed directly outside Harlem's paradise, seeing Nandi leaving. The DA's got a search warrant, and Bailey runs her credit cards. They intercept Nandi right at the airport, a chase ensues, and Nandi ends up whooped by that robot arm, then in cuffs. At the precinct, Nandi talks about nothing being bigger than the team, though a tale of shoplifting from their youth reveals Nandi was ready to throw others under the bus to advance herself. Now Nandi sees herself doing a little bad to take out Mariah, to get real justice from Bushmaster. In Harlem's Paradise, Mariah, Shades, and lawyer Ray Donovan see all the weird voodoo stuff left, and Donovan says that Mariah's got everything back. After all, one cannot sign a contract under extreme duress. Hey, like we talked about in the podcast. Piranha was tortured making that transfer, so everything is back to Mariah. Does this make everything all right? Mariah leans in and, shall we say, squeezes. Ben's telling the truth, but she's not calling him Big Ben anymore. Later, they're up in that best spot in the club, the roost. Shades hands Mariah back the family gun. In the family office, Sugar and Shades bring in Bushmaster's uncle, Wagwan. Mariah isn't scared, but uncle begs to differ. He's untied and says prison or death is watching her. Family history is reviewed, and uncle concludes Mariah deserves all the brimstone headed her way, but he still doesn't know where Bushmaster is. Back at the barbershop, Danny is meditating, and Luke is hanging out in the chair. 
It's a funny moment punctuated by silence, then punctuated by DW interrupting. They recap that Bushmaster can bleed, but Luke doesn't. So that means he would need a doctor. Someone special. Come on, Luke. They walk and talk. Danny seems settled. They end up at Mother's Touch, all in a mess, and talk about the chronic, the album, along with Eastern Medicine's healing mojo being like Tilda's holistic mojo. Next stop, Harlan's Paradise, and Danny's worried things might go sideways. Luke isn't worried. No one wants to bust a cap in a billionaire. Luke tells Mariah they're both looking out for Bushmaster, but Mom doesn't know where Tilda is. Luke and Danny bounce, and Mariah heads back upstairs to the quiet uncle, who won't talk to give up Bushmaster. Luke and Danny end up overlooking the city, and Danny spars with Luke, finding Harlem's hero off balance because he's angry. What can make it better? Turk Mama Jamma Barrett! Turk just wants to have an easy night in his shop and recognizes Danny from all that Madam Gal business. What's Turk business now? Selling paraphernalia for marijuana jazz cigarettes and selling it legally to dispensaries. Turk hasn't done anything crooked in months, but of course Turk knows a little bit about how the Jamaicans are growing something. Danny and Luke head to where the nightshade is being grown. It's a fortress, but Danny isn't phased. Inside, the goons hear something going on until the door explodes from the Iron Fist and there's a great fight montage. Danny even jumps and hits real things, unlike that hallway fight scene in The Defenders. The scene might be a tad underlit, but the fit is solid, ending with our heroes surrounded, then wrapped up with a double team-up climax of Danny iron-fisting Luke's hand to send a shockwave to take out most of the remaining bad guys, and then Danny being thrown to two gun-toting goons to end the fight. Then there's stillness as the two enter the center of the hothouse. There's only one nightshade plant and one technician who says the plant needs Jamaican soil and sunlight. They torch the hothouse, and Danny says the owner won't worry. He's bought the building and the land. Back to Nandi, she does the perp walk past former colleagues, and the deputy chief is impressed with Misty, both with Nandi and Misty's role in Defenders Season 1, now on Netflix. The chief wants to make Misty the pre-saint commander. Cut to Mariah and Shades, getting the info on the grow house fire, with Uncle Bound and Sugar wondering if he's doing right. Sugar walks, done with the life. Everyone else goes to Gwen's restaurant, ready to flex Harlem muscle. Billy, or Stephanie, or Billy, is there, and Mariah is ready to settle the balance. Billy gets it, right between the eyes. Horrifically, everyone else in the restaurant is shot too, except for Uncle, who sees the carnage. Shades is shocked as well. This wasn't the plan. Uncle then gets covered in Bushmaster rum, lit on fire, in perhaps the most horrific death from Marvel television. Back in Harlem's Paradise, Biggie is playing through the speakers, and the Biggie pictures back up, crowning Queen Mariah's head. Ultimately, Luke and Danny end up at Genghis Khani's too, with the best Mushu pork around. Danny wants Luke to come down over to the Chi side, where mind, body, and spirit are all aligned. Danny's downtown, Luke's uptown, but they're not going to Matt Murdock it together. Turns out Danny hasn't been the only character talked about but not seen. Claire asked him to check on Luke. And you know who else we don't see having Luke's back? Jessica, who gets mentioned as well. It's a Defenders off-screen reunion. Luke talks about the dragon. It's a metaphor, right? Danny promises to take Luke to Kunlun one day to end the episode.
Pete, before we talk some bad guys, bad gals in this episode, I just wanted to point out some interesting uh, structure work in this episode, kind of reiterating who the bad guy is, reintroducing some of the conflicts, reintroducing where Claire is and her absence, etc. I wondered if maybe at some point either word had come down from Netflix or word had come down from Marvel, I don't know, to say, hey, we're going to split this season into nine episodes and then four or five episodes. So this is going to be cha- you know, season 2B and we need some recap stuff. And that just ended up not coming to pass in terms of how it uh, dropped. The tone of this episode is so different from everything that preceded it. The, the tease with the people on the street talking to Luke, questioning him, which we've seen before, but done so very differently in this episode. The uh, the barbershop scenes, again, seen before, but here constructed, come across differently. Even the end, you know, hanging out in the restaurant and then boom, you know, you're, you're into the credits. Um, this is the episode of the show we've always wanted to see of Luke Cage and uh, the immortal Iron Fist, you know, out on the streets doing their thing, um, particularly with the scene where they go to the grow house and, and really wreck shop. Um, so there's there's certainly that aspect of it. Well, bottom line, Pete. I welcome the fact that they changed the changed the format up a little bit, if only because it, it keeps things interesting as we are at, you know, maybe not full on binge speed, but certainly, you know, doing three, four episodes a week. Uh, it, I appreciate that. And with that, Pete, now we're going to talk some bad. Mm. Shut your mouth. We're just talking about bad guys, Pete. Pete, let's start with the person who clearly is the greatest villain in the episode, the person who is at the head of some of the most villainous stuff we have ever seen in Marvel television. It's Mariah. Yeah, something tells me we are not going to forget about Mariah's massacre carried out at Gwen's for a very long time, if not ever. That was brutal. Um and I don't know that any other Marvel character really could have carried out such a thing. I can't see Kilgrave doing it. I can't even see Fisk doing that. I can't see Billy Russo in The Punisher doing such a thing. I mean, we can only assume that most of the people in that restaurant were 100% innocent souls, not, you know... The courier for the drug mule for the cocaine factory, you know, like just that's courier C U R R I E R, right? Like putting curry on on food. (laughs) I don't know anymore, Pete, but I know that most of the people (laughs) courier C O U R I E R, the the guy carrying it. The guy carrying it, yeah. Either way, let's even suppose, Matt, that there was some guilt that that Gwen had seen some things and kept some stuff quiet still didn't make what was done right. And then what was done to Bushmaster's uncle Anasi there was just. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, I, I want to be clear. I don't think any of it, you know, it didn't like cross the line with me. I mean, it's a TV 
whatever the rating is, 14, you know, I mean, it, it this was, is a grown-up it, show. It was CG tastefully enough that there is yellow and orange flames flickering around him and all right, cue the body looking crispy. And now he goes down and, and she shoots him and, and puts him out of the misery. But it was, yeah, that was not what I thought was going to happen. And I mean, any sense of redemption that, that we may have harbored for her just as a, you know, as a villain who we love to hate, to love kind of thing that's out the window. Uh, I, I can't help but wonder, you know, we'll talk about shades in a little bit. He seemed horrified. So if you're keeping yes. track of, of <laughs> shades, the redemptive arc, maybe hope for that. But I mean, this a Mariah doing through and through. Yeah. And seem to have a plan from the jump. It's not like it got out of hand. Um, seemed like she wanted to be as brutal as possible in the wake of surviving her own similar type of assault. Then, uh, of course, for, from the from the incredibly serious, we move on to uh, on to Ben Donovan, or should I say Ben Donovan? <laughs> he might be talking like that now. Uh, we've certainly not seen that. Uh, done to another character. I mean, we've seen kissy huggy time, but we've never seen someone grabbed by the sensitive male area uh, by a villainous um, metaphorically and figuratively. I'm, I'm sorry, literally. I I think, I, well, I agree with you. I think, however, we certainly have seen Mariah use a seductive quality in the past. Not that this was seductive in any way, but I think that this was just her crossing the line where in the you know in the past say with written hour it's been the the batted eyes it's been the playful mm-hmm. touch on the arm this was not a batting eyes not a playful touch but i think i mean it just shows to where she's at in terms of at a wit's end to a certain degree and also just more extreme than we've ever seen her before and there's some ramifications in terms of what went down and how she's able to do this now to uh, ben Donovan in terms of the the Stokes family largesse. Yeah, and I like that uh, I like that they saw the wisdom of what we were discussing on the podcast a number of episodes back, this notion that you can't sign a contract under duress. So all it took was a little sorting out um, on the lawyer end, on the bank end, whatever it is, and, you know, Presto Changeo, she's got $325 million back. Pete, let's talk about Shades. To see the horror in Shades' eyes as much as he'll show us uh, in that final scene in uh, Gwen's diner really left an impression. Yeah, as briefly mentioned before, I think I think there's a lot of uh, fan hope such as it is, you know, since they've shot the whole season, so they're not responding kind of in real time, as you might with broadcast. But I think fans pull for shades. Uh, A, he's super cool. He wears sunglasses at night and indoors. That's the very definition of cool. I've read The Outsiders. Um, But, I, I, you know, there's something where he's the number two guy. He just wants to go legit. He wants to own Harlem's Paradise. And he doesn't have the options to go legit. And here... He's trying to be the best 
unlegit that he can be and you know in no way is party to that massacre mariah's massacre as you termed it pete yeah and it creates further conflict in their story after the previous conflict was resolved he he gave uh, the gun back to uh, Mariah. They, they've come back together. And now this brutality, something he's clearly not down with. He's all about sending a message. He's not about wiping everybody out. Well, from Shades, who I think wants a way out, to Nandi, who definitely wants a way into the world of badness, uh, we see her. I was a little surprised they gave her the the story juice that they did. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so be it. It certainly was a fun and entertaining turn. Um, and I have to imagine we've seen the last of uh, Old Nandi there. I like the backstory, although the timing doesn't really show up with the th- uh, the theft of the iPod. Uh, and the numbers there don't exactly work out as described as far as ages. Um, but that's all right. And they, uh, they lay out some motivation for her. They lay out that she's somebody who has a history of not being able to be trusted, despite the fact there was some simpatico in the middle of the season between Misty and Nandi, and now they're very clearly on the outs. I'm not a big fan of how they presented her as a jet setter. Okay, she got $3 million or $6 million or however many million dollars. She's suddenly, you know, charting, uh, chartering jets and uh, Uber selects. Uh, but they kind of gave her like this jet setter outfit. Uh, I, I could have done with a little bit more straight laced um, presentation. Well, in again, not knowing anything about the future since I'm hashtag spoiler pure um, in what I'm assuming is actresses Antoinique Smith's last episode. She, of course, the actress who plays uh, Nandi. How interesting, Pete, that we have a cameo by Faith Evans. I know you're a you're yeah. a biggie guy. Pardon me, you're not a biggie guy. You're more a Tupac guy. But we get Faith Evans cameoing uh, on the stage of Harlem's Paradise. Antoinique Smith, who played Faith Evans in the Biggie right. movie Notorious in 2009. Hashtag, it's really, really, really all connected. It is. Well, Pete, we might not be living the jet setter life there, but thank goodness the podcast is kept flying high in the sky due to our pals who help us out on patreon.com slash fantastic geek yes there is no fantastic geek private jet nor will there ever be but your contributions help us afford things like bandwidth and bandwidth (laughs) and storage and, and everything that goes with the massive backlog of the family of podcasts 14 feeds strong to this point so everybody who contributes gets uh exclusive access to uh podcast content and then there's all sorts of levels after that that you can contribute at so thank you again one and all the big picture where we break down theories about the road ahead pete not much road left with three episodes to go but uh here's one theory for you they're gonna catch bushmaster sometime soon (laughs) twice 
we've had an episode where Bushmaster does not appear and looms so large in his lack of presence, uh, you know, being off the scene. So now it's the speculation. What's he up to? Has he been fixed? What's he going to emerge as, et cetera, et cetera. Um, kind of fun to leave it that way and allow this episode to breathe and certainly allows Mariah to carry out the savagery that, that she did. But I'll start you off, Matt Temby showing up yet again uh, in this, that connection between Luke Cage and Iron Fist and really kind of sets up the appearance of Danny Rand in this episode. It's those little connections that I think can be more valuable at times than the big ones, you know, to get the much vaunted Danny Rand episode. Uh, okay, so be it. You know, we had Claire in a couple episodes and certainly to get, well, those big ones are, are they carry their own weight. But when you have the, the Turk Barrett storylines weaving through the background and you have Tembi Wallace, who's this, you know, this expositional news force but also just a familiar face and a familiar name throughout these different series it really just increases the authenticity of the world that we're in the neighborhood that we're in mariah has gotten her money back but is this too easy to get 356 million dollars back when we know she's somebody that the cops the feds are looking at all right it was under duress we'll we'll undo the charge um, is this realistic? I think it's realistic that at the present time, there's no legal reason why she shouldn't get the money back. Now, we, of course, know the back end, which is that money was ill-gotten to begin with, with drug running, uh, pardon me, with gun running, and the police are on to that, too. It also works well that in the final quarter of the uh, series, or pardon me, of the season, that we have enough wiggle room for her to get it back and do awful things and then they can go you know 22 counts of murder and drug running and gun running and prostitution and this and that i suspect that's where we're headed and her 300 plus million in the bank won't be there for long it will have not been there then there then not there then there and my prediction is by the end of the season it's not there anymore how about Bailey, Matt, dumb, blind, or both? Uh, I mean, I think he's just look. This is this particular series, especially this season, is not out to is not out to crucify cops. I mean, there's some good ones, there's some bad ones. We've seen Scarf in season one, who was definitely corrupt. We've seen the inept, but for my money, looking at Bailey here, he's just. He's just blinded by the partnership. No funny business. No, you know, male, female, nothing like that. Just, you know, they're two cop partners and he's backing his partner and he's just not, he's not seeing the, th the, the circum circumstantial stuff. Uh, when the evidence comes along, he's shocked, but then he does what he has to do as an officer of the law. We talked Tembi Wallace before, Matt, but if there is a glue, if there is a... Um, a dark matter that links all of Marvel Netflix. It is Turk Barrett. I mean, what a pleasure to see Rob Morgan on screen again. 
and Pete to see him, you know, to see him in the world of the legit. I won't pass judgment one way or the other as to kind of the, the morals of his uh, getting involved in the marijuana world. He He's in a legit business. Okay. That certainly beats selling guns to Jerry Hogarth or all the, the other litany of things we've seen him do. With curly um, fries. With curly fry. The curly fry part, that's that little extra Although bit of Although it kind of works service. with this new line of work that he's in, that he was making the delivery with the curly fries before. Well, guns. Guns with curly fries. Munchies, curly fries, no guns. I mean, don't it's, eat your guns. Don't don't <laughs> eat your guns. Don't That's true. smoke with the gun. He's I I don't know. I don't know how much longer they can keep keep using him in these great ways. Now, granted, if it's once or twice per season, it's easy enough to go. Oh, instead of generic shop owner, let's make a haha scene with Turk Barrett. You know, but um, it, it's such a welcome welcome presence. Each of the last several times we've seen him, I have pitched Turk Barrett shows um, for Netflix. I'm not going to do that this time. Um, Just know that uh, Netflix, I know you're listening. I have several pitches and uh, Rob Morgan needs his own Marvel Cinematic Universe TV show. This could be a 22 minute. This could be an hour long show. I think a market exists to give us the the underbelly of the New York side via Netflix with this character. I, I think he has stories to tell and adventures to go on. So I'm available. I have an eight on the blacklist and I'm ready to go. Well, uh, I don't have an eight on the blacklist, but I'm going to pitch a hybrid uh, fictional reality show cooking competition where Turk Barrett hosts and it's called Toking Turks Bake Time Cook Off and they're making the best <laughs> bake either time cook off <laughs> bake time yeah there you go see we're 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 workshopping it right now it could either be for the munchies or it could be for the edibles which I understand is the thing from the kids so either both whatever it's all legal now in the MCU New York or whatever you know hey party time and i want everybody to notice that um turk was not selling vapes <laughs> he knows better than that pete any other theories other than the turk is wise enough to not go down the jewel road yes to not be a member of vape nation um how other than the hand of the writer is Danny so able to rapidly purchase the building that they've just demolished um, huh. Pete, you mean multi-million dollar uh, real estate deals? Wait, the answer, I, I'm the sorry, answer is I'm, coming out I'm right now. I'm on the phone right now buying the building that you're in. <laughs> and I just did. Uh, Pete, Danny Rand is a great deal maker. He makes the best deals. I think you're selling them short. Will Misty be captain now? Well, for goodness sake, Pete, if they don't do that, then I don't know. I, I can't think of a podcast appropriate metaphor here, but stop stop dingle-dangling my bell here. She's a cop. She's not a cop. She's back as a cop because she never left being a cop. Now she could be, you know, top cop in the precinct, you know, apparently the only precinct in Harlem north of, I don't know, 90th Street or whatever based on response time and stuff like that. 
Um, but I digress. She darn well better be, because if it's another, oh, she's going to walk away again, then you're just sending me on story circles. Don't do that. Give me, you know, I don't know what the proper rank would be, Captain Knight. Uh, g- give me that. Ooh, Captain Knight, Captain America. That. So I'm going yes. This shades difference of opinion in how to handle uh, what went on in Gwen's. Will this turn into anything or is this just a difference of opinion? I think at the very least it's going to turn into into grist for the story mill in these remaining three episodes or so. I also think Pete, you know, not for nothing, Mariah needs to pay for her crimes by the end of the season. That would be my prediction. Uh, $325, 326000000 million. I'm not quite sure which it is. If a million dollars falls off the old truck there and ends up in Shade's Swiss bank account, I would feel okay about that. And lastly is Claire, who sent Danny coming back. Uh, I think not, if only because, well, see, that's tough. I was going to say because of her, because of the actress's uh, interest in getting a series and whatnot. But this was filmed last summer, and I believe she's in a, you know, she did a pilot like last January-ish that since has been picked up to series. So I'm going to say probably not, but I won't exclude it. Word on the street where we hear from you, the listener, and Pete. We have a tweet from our pal Henry Perno. That's at HD Perno, giving some praise on episode 209. I just finished Luke Cage 209. It's got one, Pete, I'll use his naughty word here, hell of a character moment in, in another amazing, quote, actor scene, as you called Claire's last scene with Luke in episode 203. Heavy stuff. Can't wait to hear your reaction to it on the podcast. Pete, this sent before he heard our episode 209 because we're ever so slightly ahead it it's it's the time gem etc your thoughts pete well hopefully he's catching up there um it, it's just such a gift every day to interact with our listeners and uh fans of these shows and that the people want to know what we think and hear us talk about the events and the the background and the behind the scenes stuff is is just really the the greatest treat for me. So thank you for listening, Henry, and uh, glad you enjoyed what you saw. And you know, thanks for listening to us. Well, Pete, the next time Henry or any of the listeners have a thought about the MCU, about Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek in general, the Stars Wars, we had some Star Wars news that will be old news by the time people listen to this but you know news nonetheless when people want to talk geek how can they be in touch with you you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 10,032 followers can't be wrong and while i'm personally on twitter as looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast leave a comment on fantasticgeek.com check us out on gmail on twitter on instagram we are fantastic geek as well but wait pete there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph with the one word with you today pete for those listening on the pop culture podcast feed we will be back tomorrow to talk cloak and dagger and then we continue to go oh my goodness pete we're at the final final triplet here are we not of luke cage we got luke cage on sunday 2 11 tuesday 2 12 
Thursday, 2.13, and we'll wrap it up the following weekend uh, with our season two wrap. Oh my goodness, Pete, the end in sight. Tear emoji, tear emoji. With that, I will say adios to all of the listeners and give you the final word. You ain't no better than the damn cops. Oh, 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 oh